Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. Happy Tuesday. I'm so glad to be with you. And we are going to go for two more weeks. Uh, We did get permission for that. And I didn't want there to be a three-week break. We're going to just take a two-week break and then get ready for the fall. And so I'm excited that I'll get to see you for two more weeks here. And I just want to share very one, one word with you today. And we have two dramatic testimonies. I'm expecting more and more and more of what the Holy Spirit is doing because this is one thing I do know. It's time. It's time. But the word I want to share with you is literally one word. I received it on July the 29th. As soon as I sat down to pray, I, I heard one word, and it's a one-syllable word, and it's the word see, S-E-E, see, S-E-E. And then the Lord began to speak to me over and over and over and over again, scriptures that command us to see. Now, you know me, I go, I've got to look up the Hebrew, the Greek, and the Aramaic, and, you know, whatever language could possibly be relevant. And I found out that that word see in the Hebrew means see. (laughs) So I know this is a great revelation. But it also means perceive. And so I'm going to give you a few scriptures because I want plenty of time for the testimonies today. And But before I do, I'm just going to run through the Word of God, which has the power to change your life. You're going to get the Word today that you have been seeking. Seeking, S-E-E-K-I-N-G. You've got to be a seeker. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, not a punisher, not a withholder. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek, S-E-E-K, him. And so as you seek him, you will see. But I want to share something with you that I thought was pretty powerful. I've had one physical mentor in my life. And by that, I mean flesh and blood, not, you know, obviously there are international people. My spiritual parents are internationally known. I have personally met them. I have sat in the presence of one of them for a few days. It changed my life. But as far as a relationship, a one-on-one relationship, I've had one. And I've told you the story of this woman many times. She literally prophesied the birth of my third child and told me she would be born on August 28th, 13 or 14 months before I ever had her. And I'm not going to go through that story. Uh, She was born on August 28th. And another thing she told, she prophesied the birth of my 10th grandchild that would be a female that would come with an exclamation mark. And by then, I had had my firstborn daughter, granddaughter, and then eight beautiful, handsome, gorgeous boys that I am now literally looking up to most of them. And, and so I was so happy with that, and, and there wasn't any issue at all. I come from a family of four girls. I have three daughters so the boys were refreshing. In my personal, unasked for opinion, I think boys are much easier than girls. That's just my opinion uh, because they are a lot less emotional. And I used to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning with the three daughters and just listen to them emote emotions. It was exhausting. It was exhausting. And sometimes it still is. So how many of you have girls? You know what I'm talking about. And so... And I just find the boys to be a lot less draining in my personal. That's my personal opinion. I'm not saying it's stereotyping. But at any rate, but she prophesied a a 10th grandchild that would be a girl. 
and that she would come with exclamation marks. And so when we went for that ultrasound, and of course you're not going to find gender. I mean, it amazes me when mothers go, I'm going to find the gender. No, you're not, right, Dee Dee? <laughs> I mean, that's a caveat, but honestly, they're looking for the health of the child and, and all those really important things. And so when she put the wand on the gender parts, she said, anybody want to guess? Well, I was very well versed at the turtle head by then. I mean, I've gone through it eight times. I mean, I knew how to find a boy. And, but, what happened? Mm, nope. And so, I knew how to find a boy, and, but we all just stared because there was nothing there. And then she said, well, it's a girl. And that's when the exclamation mark came in. I was beside myself, slobbering all over the other grandmother. I was ridiculous just because I, the word of the Lord had come to pass. All right. I said all that to say this morning I'm communicating with this magnificent woman. And that's a whole other story. I'm going to be speaking at the Evening Aglow on August 18th. And I asked the Lord, what message do you want me to bring to them? He said, give them the message of full circles. And I have so many full circle testimonies. It's too much to contain. And, and so I'll, I'll tell you all about that another time. But we were communicating. And this woman hears God so accurately. And I said to her, I want to hear the Lord with the accuracy that you hear her. And she began telling me stories, and one of them, she goes to countries that you and I will probably never step foot in, ever. And a lot of them are countries where the gospel is not preached. Now, mind you, this woman is almost 80 years old, but you would think she was 30. And she's a rancher and gets up whatever time the animals get up. Before I do. And so she told me a story of she was going to this country that does not allow the gospel. She was alone, and they are not a fan of the female gender. And the Lord said to her, when you arrive, there will be a woman dressed in red to meet you, and she'll take care of you. And so she gets off the plane. She doesn't know where she's going. She's obeying the voice of the Lord. I bet none of you will be able to give me this testimony. And she gets off the plane, goes wherever you go. And here's the problem. Women in this nation just don't wear red. And there to meet her at the baggage is a woman in red who walks up to her and says, I have come to meet you and took care of her during her mission trip there. How many of you have ever had that happen? And there were other stories. And I said, I want to hear the Lord like that. And I'm going to read to you what she texted me. This is not about seeing. I just, I just thought it was so cool. And it happened early this morning. And so um, here's what she said. I, I texted her. I said, I'm asking the Lord, may I hear him as accurately as you do? And she said, yes. It will be a still small voice, not one of condemnation or loud conversation now let me tell you what's weird what's not weird but strong about that of course you can converse with the lord but when he gives you direction no when he gives you direction it's not a conversation it's obedience and i just felt like i needed to share that with some of you all right, let me give you a few C scriptures, and then I'm going to have our testimonies. Numbers 11.23, the Lord said to Moses, Has the Lord's hand, his ability, his power become short, thwarted, and inadequate? Now, let me tell you, there are two hands of God in scripture. There is the hand of authority and power, and there is the hand of favor. Two hands. This one is the hand of authority and power. Has the Lord's hand become short? You shall see now, say see now, whether my word will come to pass for you or not. You're going to see now if he will do what he said. 
Jeremiah 1, 10 and 11. See, what does see mean? Look. I have this day appointed you to be the oversight of the nations and the kingdoms to root out, pull down, destroy, overthrow, build, and plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you see? And I said, Jeremiah said, I see a branch of an almond tree, the emblem of alertness and activity blossoming in late winter. And then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. You got to see, perceive. That means you have to spend time with him. That means you have to talk to him. That means you have to listen to him. Exodus 14, 13 and 14. Moses told the people, fear not, stand still, firm, confident, and undismayed, and see the salvation of the Lord, that he will work for you today. For the Egyptians you have seen today, you will never see again. What do the Egyptians represent? The forces of the world. Pharaoh, who is an emblem of, or symbol of Satan. You know, we have to start, stop talking about Satan so much and talk about Jesus. When somebody come to me, comes to me and tells me all that the devil's doing, I just shake my head. You know what you're doing? You're giving him power to keep doing it. I want to know what the Lord is doing. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. Psalm 91, 16, with a long life, I will satisfy him and let him see my salvation or my deliverance. Saw, uh, Exodus 12, 13, the blood shall be a sign for you in the door on the doorpost of the houses where you are, that when I see the blood, I will pass over. And no plague will be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. What happens when he sees the blood? You're marked safe. Do you apply the blood with your mouth? Faith is found in your heart and in your mouth. It's not enough to just believe in your heart. You've got to speak it out. Psalm 27, 14. You know this one. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen up against me and they breathe out cruelty and violence. What is that? That's the lies of the enemy. What would have become of me, say it with me if you know it, had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? What would have become of me? Well, I would have died had I not believed I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Psalm 34, 8, you know this one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who trusts in him. That word taste means perceive. And in this passage, see means to have experience. Taste and have an experience that the Lord is good. How do you do that? You believe his word. You speak it out of your mouth and you believe that you're going to see the manifestation of what you said and believed in your heart. Psalm um, 128, 5 and 6. May the Lord bless you out of Zion, his sanctuary, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Amen. There's nothing better, right? 1 Peter 3.10. Oh, here's your part. For let whom, him who wants to enjoy life and see good days. Who wants to enjoy life and see good days? Here's what you have to do. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. That's our part. Isaiah 33, 17. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Your eyes will behold a land of wide distances. Your mind will meditate on the terror, asking, where is he who counted? And where is he who weighed? And where is he who counted the towers? You will see no more the fierce and insolent people, a people of speech too deep and obscure to be comprehended of a strange and stammering tongue that you cannot understand. That would be the enemy's voice. Look, look upon Zion, the city of your appointed feast. Your eye shall see a Jerusalem, a quiet habitation. 
a tent not taken down. Not one of its stakes shall ever be pulled up, neither any of its cords be broken. But there the Lord will be for us in majesty and splendor and a place of broad rivers and streams. The Lord is our judge, king, lawgiver. The Lord will save us. God wants you to see that. He wants you to see his delivering hand. But what about all the chaos in the world? Quit watching the news. I'm going to tell you the news I watch is the good news. I refuse to watch anything not faith-based. I won't do it. I won't do it. You know why? It's taking your eyes off the promises of God and putting your eyes on chaos. God saw chaos. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In the earth was out form and void, and darkness covered the face of the earth. That Hebrew word is tohu vabohu, and it means chaotic. God saw chaos, and God said, let there be light. God said nine times, and when he said it, it happened. You better be using your tongue. When you see chaos, say what God says. Oh, the government's falling apart. The Lord is the king. The Lord is the judge. The Lord is my lawgiver. He will save us. You know that's the three branches of the government, right? Executive, judicial, and legislative. King, judge, lawgiver. 1 Corinthians 2.9, on the contrary, the scripture says, What I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man, all God has prepared for those who love him. Well, you might go, oh, and the, but... Verse 10, yet to us God has revealed them through his spirit. Got to trust the Holy Spirit. Pray in the spirit. Read the word of God, spirit and life. Two more. Revelation 21.3, and I heard a mighty voice from the throne, and I perceived its distinct words saying, See, the abode of God is with men, and he will live and camp and tent among them, and they shall be his people, and God shall be their God. John eleven forty, Jesus' words to Mary and Martha. Did I not tell and promise you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? I had something interesting happen to me. If you want God to manifest himself to you, you've got to do John 14, 21. And that is to keep his command to love. And he said, if you do that, that he will manifest himself to you. Got to keep the commandment of love. In Ephesians 1.18, the apostle Paul prayed that our eyes would be flooded with light. I had uh, something interesting happen to me. Because I'm always asking the Lord, Lord, just confirm your word to me, direct my path. Let your word be a light unto my feet, lamp unto my path. Or is that how it goes? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Either way, same difference. Lamp and a light. And um, so the other day, I received a random text. This is someone I have not seen in probably over a decade, except one time I crossed path with, with her at a meeting. It's the only time. Don't talk to her, doesn't know anything about me. I mean, I can just go through the whole gamut. I received this random text from her the other day. She said, Sandy, the Lord impressed upon me to give this to you. I hope it blesses you. And it was Zechariah 2.5. And it says, for I, the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, protecting her from her enemies and I will be the glory in the midst of her. Well, Lord, I receive that. You know, when God gives you a word, you say, Lord, I receive that. You are a wall of fire around me, protecting me, and the glory in the midst of me. But then the Holy Spirit said, I also spoke that to you through your sister, Joyce. Joyce, where are, there you are, right there. Stand up, Joyce. She gave me a card sent me a card at the end of June, I think it was. Do you remember this? And when I opened the card, she had typewritten Zechariah 2. Four, I think it was 4 and 5. Same scripture. I said, Lord, where is I've got to find it? Because I had saved it. I mean, obviously, if I saved every card I ever gotten, I'd have to buy a new house. 
which I am deeply grateful. But you just can't save every single thing. But when things are really significant, and when she gave me that, I was, oh, I'm keeping this. And he, the Lord even told me where I had put it. And sure enough, same scripture. Well, on the testimony of two or three, let something be established. See, you've got God. We're in a season we're supposed to see with our eyes his mighty works. And that's why during these sessions we have testimonies. We might keep doing it in the fall. I'll just see what he says. So, first of all, I want to introduce to you my precious little friend, Amy. I'm going to put you on first. That way you can enjoy the second. You're going to be all right. Come on. She has never done this before, first time. I'm so proud of her. And did you know that studies have proven that people are actually more afraid of holding a microphone than dying? So do you want me to stay up here with you, honey? You sure? All right. If you need me, you just wait. This is Amy Jones. Isn't she beautiful? She's so beautiful. I love her so much. So you just give her all your support, okay? Hi, guys. Um, like Sandy said, I've never shared my testimony before. So I was hesitant to accept her offer. But you don't turn down Sandy Ross. So I, um, I, I thought it was uh, honestly a really great opportunity. I, I have a, a ton of testimonies. Um, I have a ton of full circle redemptions that I could share today. Um, so narrowing it down was kind of hard, um, but I did my best to, yeah, con compile it into something that um, God could use to speak to whoever needs that, to hear it today. Um, I want to start out with just one scripture that, um, and a, 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 just two sentences out of a devotional I'm reading that kind of preface my testimony. Um, we all know the story of Job. Um, in Job 37, 13, it says, he makes these things happen either to punish people or to show his unfailing love. Um, and then I'm doing this devotional called Life by Lisa Harper. And there's a couple things that she says in here um, on the same topic. More often than not, the pain God allows into our lives isn't punishment, but rather a promotion. God's providence will never take us to a place where his grace won't sustain us. Um, and so I'm going to start right, I'm going to start, and I'm just going to jump right in, and I hope I don't um, aghast anyone, um, but I'm just going to jump right in, and, and, and this is my story. It's a story of... Redemption is a story of healing, um, and it's a story of just how uniquely God expresses his love and ravishes his love on his people. Um, so, okay. Um, and, I, and I'm probably going to do more reading than I want to, but um, okay. I was born into an abusive relationship between my mom and my dad. At the age of two, my dad was sent to prison for molesting multiple young girls, myself included. He was in prison for 13 years across the country from us. We moved to, this was in Seattle, which was where I was born. And when this all happened and my dad was convicted, we moved to Texas um, where my grandparents lived. So my dad was in prison for 13 years um, across the country. So my entire childhood and adolescence was without a father. This is what started the journey into my long battle with the meaning and the conflict of a father's love and the radical acceptance of a love, not just from Almighty God, but Father God. God as Father. It took many years, but God has healed my heart from that word and in that, he has baffled me with his love as my father. This acceptance has led me to be able to see how many times God has acted in a way of my life, in my life to protect me from something big. 
Um, an early example that stands out to me is something I just spoke about, but um, I can see now as a 32-year-old adult that my dad going to prison and that removal of him from my life was God protecting me from years and years of abuse. For so long, I mourned not having a dad. I felt sorry for myself because of what I had lost. But the truth is that losing my dad was not a punishment, but a blessing from God. And he provided me throughout my childhood and adolescence in lieu of the absence of my dad. I had the most amazing grandpa. Uh, he stepped up to the role without question. Um, he was my date to dads and donuts and my chauffeur to daddy-daughter campouts and dances. He was the best, and I truly believe he was God's gift to me. God protected me, and God provided. This was the first time I can recall that God, knowing so much better than me, protected me out of his deep, deep love for me. What a profound realization to have, that God uses something so horrific and seemingly scarring to reveal his unrelenting love for me. The realization of what my dad had done to me came at about 13 years old. It festered horrible feelings and thoughts about myself, and I in turn treated myself accordingly. I began to self-harm at the age of 14 and lived hating who I was until really just recently. I felt my spirit was broken at such a young age, finding out what my dad did to me and what his choices were in regards to being around his daughter and his future with his children. And I didn't think there was healing from that. I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. I grew up in a very godly home. I accepted God into my life at a young age, however, I could never fully comprehend or accept his love for me until I was delivered and healed completely from that barrier of acceptance. And God healed my confusion and my bitterness, my view of myself as tainted and dirty. He took it all. And what was supposed to shatter me only revealed to me what a perfect father looks like. And he isn't earthly. I prefaced that this story is about healing. So to give you the full picture, I'll reveal that in, tr in addition to some, tra some trauma, my dad also passed on a genetic bone condition called osteogenesis imperfecta to me. This is something I don't really like to talk about much. Um, I don't like people seeing me as weak or fragile. Amen. <laughs> um, but I think mainly... I, I don't like talking about it because for so many years I felt like my bone disease and my bone broke my bone breaking spoke louder than I could. It took my identity and it took all my control away from me and over and over and over again it stole my joy and took my ability to live as a fearless kid and now woman. I'd go between complete hypervigilance and fear of my surroundings to pretending like I could do the things that everyone else could. And well, that usually didn't end well. Overall, in my 32 years of life, I have broken over 40 bones. Growing up this way has, has, has had its challenges and I faced a lot of bullying and isolation because of it, a lot of disappointment and anger. And in combination with the trauma from my dad, this seemed to create the perfect storm for the enemy to come and attack and the storm of depression and anxiety ruled my life throughout my young and not so young adult life. The storm that I still battle today only with different armor. I dated horrible men in college until I met Derek. He was one of those too good to be true guys. But the one that I was sure would run and hide once I revealed my past, my hurts, my journey. But nope, instead Derek ran towards me and turned out to be my God-designed soulmate, the gift to me that turned into my husband and who has aided in the healing of what a true father looks like as I watch him be a daddy to our precious little boy. 
This is just another example of a full circle redemption, God pouring out his love on me. We got pregnant in October 2019, and the nine months leading up to my son's birth in July 2020 were the hardest months of my life up to that point. And I have had a rough life. Uh, this, these, they were, um, the pain was unimaginable. Um, in over half of my pregnancy, because of my bone condition, I was basically bedbound and struggled to even walk. My son was born July 2020, and in January 2021, when he was six months old, I had a really bad fall, and I broke ten bones. Oh, I was angry. I was devastated. I couldn't hold my baby, and I lost my purpose as his mama there for a little bit, not knowing what God was trying to teach me in this season not even looking for God in this season. I began to sink down into a pit of despair and helplessness as I couldn't do anything for myself, much less my baby. And although I did not seek God in this wilderness time, he still seeked me and he still chose to heal me. I chalked it up to time heals wounds, not thinking that this isn't always the case. But nonetheless, he was not giving up on me. He was desperately trying to reach me, grab my attention, show me something through this that I had not grasped yet. But my lens was too foggy, my ego too big. So, five months later, after the rehabilitation of my entire body, I broke my neck in two different places. My son was 11 months old at this time. What was clearly God's plea to get my attention and what could have been a year of growth and spiritual restoration, I chalked up to the worst year of my life. I was already struggling deeply with postpartum depression and anxiety, isolation in the middle of a COVID lockdown with a baby under one and broken bones after broken bones. And it seemed like this accident pushed me from the edge of the dark hole I had been clinging onto and into the pit where I honestly stayed for quite a while. I quit going to church. I quit caring for myself. I lost a ton of weight. I quit responding to Sandy's messages. I uh, felt helpless as a mother to my baby who I couldn't even pick up again, and I wanted to disappear. I felt useless and defeated. I was in the wilderness, far out of the reach from the help that was being poured over me, yet I wouldn't take. I was a victim and allowed myself to stay one until I was able to get my life back, able to take control of my life again, get back into the gym, feel better about myself. <clears throat> Looking back, I can see how wrong those motives were. Throughout this time, I truly felt like I was being punished for something, condemned, beaten down. It wasn't until later that I realized that through all of that, God was trying to show me his faithfulness to me throughout all of the pain and inconvenience, amongst all the disappointment and life interruption. He was trying to awaken me, reignite me, turn my eyes to reliance on him, and shake my soul but I didn't recognize that until I was rehabilitated. I was healed again and back at the gym. I still suffered from excruciating neck pain and neuropathy, but I pushed through a lot of it to regain normalcy. It was about this time that I took the plunge and accepted Sandy's invite to Woman of the Word. I came on my first Tuesday, and upon minutes of entering the building, I was immersed with women praying over me prophesying over me, things where its relatability shook me to its, my core. I, I don't know what was on my face, it, it, but it have, must have just been screaming, help me, because these women kept coming up to me, saying they were drawn to pray for me, and that God had given them a word from me. These were complete strangers. Now, why would God do that for me? 
because he wanted to show me how much he loved me in an intimate way, so he sent strangers to tell me. It was that day that God told me to go back to church. It had been almost a year since I had been, tucked away in isolation, hiding in my neck collar. I went that next Sunday. And on that Sunday, through Rick's sermon, God told me to start reading the Bible again. So I did. Every day I opened the Bible and I read. Sometimes aimlessly, sometimes very intentionally led. But regardless, I read. I read Psalm 91 every day, reminding me of my protection, shelter, and refuge. If I trust him fully, sorry, shelter and refuge through the Lord that I don't need to live in a state of paranoia or fear of harm because God's faithful promises are my armor and protection if I make him my refuge, if I trust him fully, blindly, and fearlessly. And although this is all great, I quickly heard from God that what I was doing was not enough. He wanted more from me. He told me to stop listening to the music I was listening to and to listen to only worship music at this time, music that glorified him. Even while I work out, I asked. He clearly responded, especially while you work out. So I did. I downloaded music. I made playlists and started listening to worship music all day long. But he wasn't done. He asked me to stop smoking my vape pen my vice throughout this all. And I'm not saying vape pens are bad. This is just something that God has convicted me personally on. It took me about a week to fully hear and accept this one because it was not something that was on my radar, nor that I had any desire to stop doing. With all these changes, I thought I needed my vape pen as a means of coping, but this was why he wanted it gone. My reliance on it was greater than my reliance on him. So I quit cold turkey on April 23rd. And in this, he started to bring light to many areas of my life where I didn't think I was doing wrong or giving way to the devil to sneak in, but I was suddenly convicted in areas like my tongue, the words that I was speaking. He told me to cleanse my palate and my heart of all unclean things so that my mouth would portray none. He convicted me of my attitude, my mind, my negativity started shifting into gratitude, my worry to trust, my shame to glory. You see, not just four months ago, I was smoking a vape pen all day long for some kind of relief. I was self-harming. I was filled with negativity, hopelessness, and bombarded with shame. Shame filled me from what had been done to me, and then more shame compiled by how I was responding to it. But slowly, my shame started to shift into humility. And when all my vices were gone, when I had nothing left to soothe me, all my escapes, distractions, comforts were no longer there. And when the panic of having nothing started creeping up, I finally realized that I, in fact, had everything. I had Jesus. I had the word the word of the living God, the gospel of Jesus, the power of him who lives in me. I realized I didn't need any of those other things because I had found new hope. I had found true faith in these promises I had been reading and learning about. Promises of a new life filled with good things, righteous and redeemed, free of sin and healed of all diseases. I didn't need the false comfort from those old things when I had the ultimate comforter at my fingertips. God was healing me. From the inside out, he was healing me from every spider web that hadn't been touched in years, but was holding me back from receiving complete healing. Spider webs I wasn't ready to let go of yet until now. It seemed that everything was being brought to light and it was ugly. I wanted to put a cap on it, shove it back to where it came from, and shoo it away. We don't need to talk about that one, God. But God said, yes, we do. Everything, Amy, I want it all. Don't you? 
So he kept pulling things out of the closet, and I kept surrendering. You see, I had been intentionally praying for and being prayed over for full and complete healing, mind, body, and soul for over a month now. And what I was realizing was that my actual trust in, of him actually completing that healing was minimal until all of this really manifested. Until I realized that trusting in his promises, his goodness, his faithfulness was the key to it all. That loving God and accepting his love for me is what establishes complete trust in that what God says he will do. And I begin to believe it, deeply believe it to the core of my being. Believe that God was who he said who he is. So this healing began and it came in waves. It was a very gradual, progressive healing. Each day I felt that God was tugging on a different heartstring or nudging me to another area to pay attention to. It was literally a daily process and it still is. And it's in this process that I'm realizing that all these times I had prayed for physical healing for my body and been laid hands on, that God had healed me. Through every fracture, every injury and trauma to my body, he healed. He was and had already been at work for me for years, healing me. I just didn't at the time recognize it for what it was. That healing didn't have to be a suddenly and miraculous in the moment healing, although that does happen. My healing took place after praying for my body to heal after the break and for the pain to go away, and God answered. God has healed me each time. See, I stand here today with no fractures in my body besides a broken toe. I broke my toe last week. But completely pain-free. After 40 fractures, completely pain-free. I'm lifting weights again, heavier than before. I am healed. God reminds me daily that he ransoms me and keeps me safe, Psalm 55, 18, and that he has kept track of all my sorrows. He has collected all my tears in a bottle and recorded each one. What? I have never been alone or deserted, forsaken or forgotten. I have been a work in progress, a prize sought after and never given up on, a redeeming story of love. I want to quickly close with just a quick hallelujah story about my son. So um, obviously the bone condition that I, I, I have is a genetic bone condition. I got it from my dad. Had, you thank you. And I have, ever since I got pregnant, I've, I've prayed fervently over my child that he would not inherit this genetic disease. Um, so there's this fear of, of him having osteogenesis imperfecta. And my son, he's two. Um, he has already broken three bones. Um, well, five weeks ago today, my two-year-old son broke his leg in two different places, um, just two weeks away from his second birthday and his big water birthday party. I was devastated for him. I was like the anguish I feel when I break a bone times a thousand. Now, I have prayed over this boy starting in the womb that he would not inherit this disease, but when things like this happen, doubt creeps in, and wanting to confirm my deep-rooted fear that my son had an it, doubt creeps in, but I just kept announcing, proclaiming that I do not claim this disease and sickness will have no hold on him. I pleaded for wholeness and complete healing in Jesus' name. Well, I called in the troops for me for prayer. I texted Sandy, and she organized for Witten to be prayed over by Rick after church that next Sunday, just three days after we found out it was broken. At this time, he was not putting... Um, he had his, his cast on. He was not putting any weight on it. Um, he was not putting any weight on, uh, on it at this time. Um, we went after church, and we got prayed over by Sandy and by Rick, and they laid hands on him, and they broke generational curses, and they spoke complete healing over my son. Um, 
the next day we woke up and he was putting full weight on his foot with the boot on. Um, his follow-up appointment was in three weeks and that, that appointment was to determine whether we cast it or we keep it in the boot. Well, um, we kept the boot on for the three weeks until his follow-up, which would yeah, determine the next um, event. Uh, but Witten was getting around better without the boot on at this point. So putting the boot on was a major challenge because uh, he was getting very frustrated by it. He wanted the boot off. Um, so we, we entertained the follow-up appointment, although I knew he was healed. <laughs> but we entertained it just to get those confirmatory x-rays. And after three weeks, after Witten broke his leg, there was no evidence of fracture on the x-ray. He was completely healed. God gave me a suddenly. Why? Because he loves me that much. He loves Witten that much. And I had undoubted faith that he could. And though he owes me nothing, he continues to do these things for me. These big and these small things, just to remind me how much he loves me and how deep and how wide his love and his grace expands. Thank you. That was so well done. You're going to be doing that more, honey. You did a beautiful job. Mm. A beautiful job. I want you to notice just those little steps of obedience. He didn't ask her to do some this big, huge thing that we might consider. He just asked her, well, I asked her, but that was the Lord, come to women, the women's group. See what you're missing if you don't come? Um, we have miracles all the time. Let Rick pray for you. Go back to church. Tur your music. I, I know. Just give me time. Change your music. Quit vaping. Whatever that is. Just those steps, one step at a time. That's how he leads you. Amen. And she obeyed. And look at her now. She's gorgeous. You're going to be doing that more. You better get ready. Okay, so we have another testimony today I want you to hear. We're not in a hurry. Nicole, do you want to come on up? This is Nicole Shoemaker. Well, what's your last name now, babe? Shoemaker. Still Shoemaker. Praise the Lord. Many of you know Joyce. She's one of our wonderful staff members. And... Nicole has had a miracle in her life, and I asked her to come share it with you. So thank you for coming, babe. Here's your mic. Okay. Well, actually, I've never spoken before in front of anybody. Oh, so here we go again. When, <laughs> so when I was asked, I was like, well, what am I really going to share? I'll just talk about what happened. So, um, and it was, it was suddenly. Uh, so anyway, I'll give a little backstory for me. Um, I was born July 29th, 1982, uh, in Japan, and so everybody in the States thought it was uh, actually the 28th, so no, it was the 29th. Um, my, I grew up in church. I grew up actually Lutheran, and we didn't come to Eagle's Nest until I was 14. When, <laughs> when we arrived, the, the music alone uh, I thought was weird. Um, my mom would raise her hands, and she'd praise, and thought she was crazy. Um, I did. I thought everybody was just nuts. So I started in, um, in the youth. They had me go. Of course, I was just wanting to have friends and uh, hang out. But I went to a youth conference when I was 14. Um, I don't even remember what it was, to be honest. There's so many different ones. But that's the first time that I felt Jesus in my life just for me, not some felt guy that's up there with a bunch of different people, but for me. Um, now, after that, though, uh, when I was right after about 14 and a half, from, from then to probably about 16, um, I babysat down the street for this little girl, and the dad uh, was 25. Of course, I'm young. I thought he was attractive. But he raped me for those two years. Um, I didn't think it was. I thought it was my fault. I thought that because I thought that this man was kind of attractive that I was asking for it. Um, 
when everything came out, I was relieved, but it didn't happen the way that I thought it should happen. And so I went into a horrible depression. I started doing drugs then. I stopped basically living life. I was, it was dark. And so in my mind then, that's all that men wanted. Um, so I didn't care. I said, fine. I, I, I treated them like they should. And I basically lived that life for a very, very long time. Um, I've actually been married four times. Um, I like to say that I didn't give up. I still have hope, but um, not probably how we should look at it, but that's what I do. And so I had faith, though. Like, I, I knew, like, the word has gone in me for years, years. Like, I know what I know, what I know. I know God. I know his power. I know his healing but I had a disconnect, and I didn't know why. I did not know why I wasn't receiving what everybody else was. I didn't feel like I was worthy. So when I was asked to come speak, I was like, why me? What do I have to share? What do I have to tell except for what happened? Um, so I'm, I'm here. And January of this year, uh, I started having some pain. Um, I started feeling sick, um, and it progressed basically this entire time until probably about the end of May. The end of May, I was in so much pain, uh, I was hospitalized. Um, I hadn't been to work. Um, the pain just got worse and, and worse and worse. Uh, I was a human pincushion. The doctors found like this, and they were saying, oh, well, your liver, oh, and now your pancreas, oh, it's, it's pancreatitis, no, it's pancolitis, oh, but it's with your pancreas. So I had all of these different tests that I had to do. Um, and one of them was because they thought that I had pancreatic cancer. I had the signs of this. Well, of course, I'm like, uh-oh. Well, okay, here we go. I'm not afraid to die. And that's why I'm like, I know where I'm going. I already know that. Like, I, that's the one thing that I did know. So I was like, okay. But it was sad because I didn't want to leave my kids, my parents, everybody. So, of course, my mom and my dad were like, well, here, come have Pastor Rick pray for you. I'm like, hey, why not? I've done everything else. I, I love Pastor Rick. Matter of fact, he was my youth group leader for back in the day. Um, so I sat under him. <laughs> so I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll come. No problem. And so we waited. Well, then he was busy, busy. And so I told my dad, I said, dad, it's fine. It's fine. You know, I, it's, we, can, uh, we can do it another time. It's okay. And so I was like, but I'm just going to sit here because I hurt, so I'm not going to walk. Um, but he, he wound up going down. Um, it, he prayed. It was actually the the weekend that the gentleman came from, where was it? The Where is he from? That About the yellow car, which is, which is why I wore the yellow jacket, not knowing that there was going to be yellow tablecloths. But um, so... They were all in there, and they they prayed, and I said, okay, went to church, did that, and, of course, went through my week. Um, the following Sunday, seven days, actually, to be precise, I woke up, and it had one sharp pain, and then I haven't. I, I was on pain meds. I was on all kinds of meds. Um, I haven't taken one since that, since that seventh day. I haven't had anything. I woke up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like. Uh, so I had this like, well, maybe I should be slow because I don't, I haven't been doing anything now for months. So maybe I should take my time, but no, I got up, I did my hair, I did my makeup. I was like my boss, Hey, I'm on time to work. Um, and so all of that for me, it, I didn't even consider that it had been seven days to the time. And so come, <laughs> come fast forward to the 28th of July and I'm driving from lunch. I'm, I'm passing over the 410 and 281 overpass. And, of course, I have my praise music on, but it's just part of my playlist. And I have other songs in there, too. But Phil Wickham's Living Hope that I've heard multiple times. Matter of fact, I've listened to it very loudly. I like, hallelujah, you know, I praise in the car. You know, people, I don't care what they say. Um, but... That song, at that moment, when I'm going over the overpass, it talked about how he came to 
bear our sin, and he came to take our shame. And at that moment, I started crying, and I'm like, oh, no, don't mess up my makeup. I have to go back to work. But I couldn't help it because for me, I realized that even if it was just me, he came and he bore it and he took all of that. He took all of my shame. He took all of my past. He took all of that and he bore it. So for me, I believed it finally. I believed that he loved me. I believed that he had healed me, that he forgave me, that I am now. And it's funny that you say see because I called my parents and I told them it's like I can see. I said, I have been under this shadow and the enemy has tried for years to beat me down and to keep me down and to keep me believing that, oh, you're, you're, you're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy to talk to women. You are not worthy like they are. You're, you're, they're way better. You have nothing to say. But then I realized, yes, you do. And even if it's as simple as saying, he loves me. My father loves me too. And so that realization hit. Well, then I go back to work and I'm like on fire because I'm like, I have to work. Nicole, come on, you have to work. You know, you have to, you have to be right. Well, then I was looking up because I just turned 40 and that was my 40th birthday. Well, but it was the 28th. However, when I'm looking and I'm researching, you know, 40 in the Bible, 40 days, 40 years. Well, then I saw that it was considered to be a generation. So 40 is considered a generation. But I heard in that car, it's done. It's done. Satan, you have no more power and authority over her. She is mine. You are finished. And see, for me, I read Job like it was nobody's business because I'm like, oh, okay, God. Like, you know, the enemy's really trying, but I know you, because I, I, I believed as best I could, but there was still a disconnect. I still couldn't accept his power because we have that power. We have that authority. All of us, it doesn't matter as long as you believe we have that power. And so I kind of went hoarse because I'm telling my parents about all this and, I'm, you know, all of that. But then my mom said, you know, you know, it's your birthday, you know, your birthday's tomorrow. Well, then I called her and said, yeah, but actually, mom, I'm 40 today because I was born in Japan. Today's the 28th. So technically, today's my birthday. Today's when I was born. And they would tell me, you've been set apart you are, and they've prayed, I've been prayed over. I've prayed over myself. I thought, you know, I mean, I do know. But now it's like it hits different. The authority and the power hits different. Because I know that I know and I believe his word. It comes and it resonates. And so this morning before I came here, oh my gosh, you're talking about running late. I got woken up at 6.30. Are you going to work? Oh, man, an hour and a half. Like my hair wasn't done. I threw it up in a bun. You know, I'm, I didn't have the yellow shirt that I wanted to wear. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to wear this. And then work crazy, crazy. My mom, she was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be there. 35 shut down. And so I'm on the way here frustrated, right? Frustrated. I'm like, oh, my gosh. But then I remembered, okay, no. Let's get right so let's speak that authority. Satan, you don't have that power anymore. I get to have that happiness, that joy. I get to live with that. I have that authority through my father because I do believe that Jesus came on the cross. And that's when he said, it is finished. My work is finished. So therefore, I have that power living in me. And I know that there's so much more that I could share. There's so much more of my life. I just gave you a very, very brief overview. But the fact is, is that I now believe. And I, I have no doubt. I have no fear. And the fact that I have no pain, I wake up every day, no pain, none. I don't take meds. I do not. So 
my story is very lengthy, but that in a nutshell, because I had a I had a talk because I've been told that you're healed, you're healed, you're healed, but it's, and I believed it, you know, I'm like, yes, I, I believe in prayer. I believe in prayer. But I think until we finally allow his love for us to resonate in our soul, because now I feel like my soul is alive. I feel his word coursing through every single vein in my body that I can call upon that power and that authority every single day of my life over every single thing and I'm like Satan now no no I know that you don't have the authority I know who I am I know whose I am and so that's why now I wake up in a completely different mindset and it's like I can see I can see I see what he has for me and now I just get to live it out so the next However long, I'm excited for because now I get to live everything I already knew, but now I believe. So, anyway, <laughs> there's me in a nutshell. Thank you, guys. Before, I don't believe you. That was so good. It's okay, baby. Here. Yeah, thank you, darling. Wow. See, we have some powerful young people. You notice how both of them saw. God is calling us to wake up and see. And when they saw, they believed. And they got free. God is no respecter of persons. And Nicole, didn't you, the doctor, give you a clean report as well? Nothing's wrong. Yeah. That's what the Lord is doing right now. If you need physical healing in your body, it's time to take it. It is time to take it. You know, just like Mama took it for Witten, her little two-year-old. She had to take it. I mean, she said she was nervous to come up here. I don't believe it. But, but I remember she was nervous to get prayer. I had to hold her up, which was easy because she weighs 50 pounds. So, But those little steps, those little steps, those little steps, Nicole took little steps. And praying mothers. Yeah, let's hear it for the mothers. I'm telling you, and the grandmas. Well, we actually are greater than just saying. <laughs> Nothing like a grandmother. But I want to do something right now um, because here we have two testimonies of two beautiful young women that were sexually molested. And so if that's you, this is a safe place and maybe you've never admitted it. You know what? You stay in the darkness, darkness has rule over you. If you read about the spiritual hierarchy in Ephesians 11, where Paul said, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against. Well, you and I are not wrestling against a principality. Those are demons over nations. That's not your personal life per se. The demons that afflict humans individually are the rulers of darkness. Now reason with me. If they're the rulers of darkness, what do they need to rule in? Before they can rule, they need darkness. So as long as you keep things in the darkness, darkness will rule you. But what the light reveals, the light heals. What the light reveals, the light heals. And the darkness, the Apostle John said, will never, ever, or the light the darkness will, the light will always overpower the darkness. Put it, that's a better way to put it. So if that's you, whether you've been prayed for or not, I want to pray for you today. If you've ever been sexually molested, hey, I was, so, you know, and by doctors of all people, the people you trust. And I'm okay. I'm okay. So if that's you, stand up right now. And you have strong women here. You heard testimonies today. We're going to pray over you and just cut that off in the name of Jesus. The first thing I want to say 
is there is no shame on you. But unless they've repented, there is shame on your molesters. But there is no shame on you. So those who are seated, extend your hands and your arms to these beautiful, beautiful women. And in the name of Jesus, I enforce the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanse them of all defilement, shame, and uncleanness. We bind the very seed that infiltrated them. And in Jesus' name, we command you, loose them now. Even the memory. You are holy, without fault, without blame, sanctified, vessels of honor, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. I speak to your soul in the name of Jesus. You are restored by the great shepherd of the sheep. Thank you for the power of the blood. Lord, I ask you to go into their very DNA and regene them. Regenerate the bloodline. We say you will not pass on to the generations. In the name of Jesus, the blood is applied and henceforth access is denied. Holy Spirit of God, I ask you to cleanse their memory. What the enemy meant for evil, use for good. Cause all things, the bad and the good, to work together for good because these women love you and they are called according to your purpose. And as these two brave women share today, cause everyone to see the salvation of the Lord, which you have already accomplished. Because you cried to Telestai, it is finished. And so it is. Now we ask you, Father, to charge your angels to guard their soul, to bring them that where their very motto, the hallmark over their life, begins with an S, salvation, security, stability, sanctification, sozo, you are rescued from all destruction. In the name of Jesus, if you agree, say amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.